Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. Pastor Ken Bear with Faith Dialogue. Our, our Wednesday messages are all part of a series that we call Pondering Prophecy. And we've had the opportunity over the last few months to speak on a number of issues and a number of scriptures that are connected uh, to the prophecies regarding the end times, the, the time of Jesus' return. You know, the return of Jesus is the, is the most anticipated event in, in all of, of Christianity. And today we see many of the signs of Jesus' return, including, and probably number one, the regathering of the people of Israel. You know, also, we can look at the rise of deception and immorality, and we see that the time is right for Jesus to return for his bride, the church. And after that, we have the beginning of what's known as the days of Jacob's trouble, the final 70th week. Uh, what we call the seven years of the of the tribulation and it's a it's a period of judgment but it's also a period uh, of revival recently just a few weeks ago we assembled uh, the top 12 questions that people have on bible prophecy and we covered them all and then last week we covered the very first of what we call this series within a series the very first question was is america in bible prophecy uh, this week, we're going to take the second question that had to do with modern-day prophets. And the topic of our message today is, are there modern-day prophets and do, do they speak for God? So in order to answer this question, uh, there's really a number of different pieces of it, a number of different aspects of it. So I, I want to take them piece by piece so we don't get anyone confused. There's a lot of material I'm going to go through, but I'm going to take it slowly and orderly. And I've written down some notes, so let me take a look at my notes and we'll go through them one step at a time. Uh, the first piece, is the age of the prophet, and we'll add to that the age of the apostle, has it passed? Has the age of the prophet and the apostle passed? Now, here's the thing, many teach this. Uh, the general teaching is that because we have the scriptures, what we know as the canon of the Bible, and now because we have something better than we've ever had before, uh, as a result, the days of the prophet and of the apostle have, have ceased. Um, the people that believe this, that teach this, would also say that most, if not all, of the miraculous signs and wonders such as prophecy and tongues and healings and, and uh, miracles have also passed. Um, all of these that we refer to as the, as the gifts of the Spirit, they've, they've ceased. Now the people that teach this are called cessationists. Cessationists, that's with a C. And the teaching is called cessationism, cessationism. So let me give you my thoughts on this because as you can imagine, I have my, my own particular uh, point of view. Uh, first of all, uh, the scripture has, has a tremendous amount to say about spiritual gifts. The Bible clearly tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
The epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, particularly in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians as well as Ephesians, have, have a lot to say about spiritual gifts. Now, the scriptures are to be read. Uh, they're to be meditated. Uh, they're to be part of our, our daily constitution. We, we embrace them. Uh, we understand that they are God's letter to us, and that's exactly what they are. And as I said, the Apostle Paul had much to say about these spiritual gifts, and those gifts are directed, and that teaching is directed uh, towards us, towards the church. You know, prophecy is an extraordinary gift, and it's a very unique gift as well. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, to pursue love and earnestly desire that you may prophesy. Desire the spiritual gifts that you may prophesy. You know, Paul taught this because the gift of, of prophecy to the churches is a tremendous blessing. And later he says that this, this, uh, this gift should not be quenched or despised. Uh, and he says that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. However, and here's the point, is we have to understand that the prophecy that is spoken of in the New Testament, particularly by the Apostle Paul, is actually quite different than that which we see in the Old Testament. Uh, for example, in the Old Testament, the prophets would proclaim, thus says the Lord, or King James, it's thus saith the Lord. Whereas the messages from those uh, of, with the gift of, of prophecy in the New Testament, um, those prophets take, or those prophecies take the form of an exhortation, a, a correction, discernment, uh, to provide comfort or to provide inspiration. Uh, these are given to equip and to, to edify the body of Christ. Rarely, rarely are the prophets in the New Testament, are they uh, predictive? Uh, rarely do they speak of things that will happen in the future. Most of the time, prophecy is given as an application or an exhortation. So if we understand prophecy in, in those terms, we can actually bridge the gap between the cessationist and the charismatics. Now, it's the cessationist that I mentioned before, and it's the charismatics, God bless them, that embrace all of the spiritual gifts, including prophecy and tongues and healings. Uh, there's, a, there's a man I want to quote. He's a, he's a very gifted man. His, his, he's a scholar and a theologian. His name is Wayne Gruden. Um, and he has a way of understanding this. And as I read it, I said, that's it. Um, I mean, not only does Wayne kind of agree with my teaching, but he's, he has this idea. And what he believes is that the two opposing sides, which are the charismatic and the cessationists, uh, actually both stand on, on biblical principles. Uh, on, on biblical principles, and because of that, both should be applauded. But their conflict actually comes about because of a misunderstanding of what New Testament prophecy is all about. And, and I'd also feel and would also add that much of the conflict uh, that we see between the charismatics and the cessationists comes from experiences, what they actually observe in the modern day church. The charismatics embrace the spiritual gifts because they've, they've benefited them, they've benefited personally, spiritually from an environment that is experiential. Uh, that's praiseworthy. Uh, the cessationists reject the modern day of prophecy because they also see it and they see the abuse. 
Yes, there, there's a great amount of, uh, of abuse and those that claim to speak by, from those that uh, claim to speak by special revelation from God. Uh, the one trait that hopefully both camps have in common is their desire to faithfully embrace what the Bible has to say about the Holy Spirit. Uh, our need to seek the sovereign will of God in everything we do and to walk humbly with our Lord. Now, in the Bible, the Bible often speaks of, of seasons, and we know that there have been distinct ages. The Bible refers to them as dispensations. You know, for example, the Bible uh, talks about the, the Bible we know from experience, the 400 years prior to uh, the advent of Christ is known by scholars as the, as the silent period. Uh, there were no prophets. There was no prophecy. The Bible is actually silent. While I don't want to get into a discussion regarding some of the distinct ages, what are called the dispensations, the Bible says that in the last days, in the last days, there will not only be signs and wonders, but there will also be a resurgence of the spiritual gifts. The prophet Joel, or Joel, depending on how you want to pronounce his name, spoke specifically of the last days, what he calls the terrible days of the Lord. Um, in Joel uh, chapter 2, beginning in verse 28, Joel says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also on my manservants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall turn to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we, we see there's a, there's a lot going on in the end times. And the, the prophet Joel uh, says that this gift of, of prophecy, uh, this, these miraculous gifts will also be part of the scenario that's played out in the end times. The apostles believed at the time of Jesus, they believed with all of their heart that not only was Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, but also that he would usher in the final kingdom. This is exactly why the apostles asked Jesus uh, just prior to getting to the Mount of Olives, uh, just the, the day of his, his arrest and his crucifixion, the day before his crucifixion, they asked him what were the signs of the coming of, of his second coming? What would be the signs and the end of days? Now, when the day of Pentecost came, and the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit um, baptized the, holy, the, the apostles, uh, the apostle Peter came out uh, from the upper room, and the apostle came out, came out to speak to those that were assembled that had heard the, the sound, the rushing wind, as well as heard all of these 120 plus the 12 apostles start, start to speak in unknown tongues. And what Peter said is he said, what you see is the beginning of what the prophet Joel talked about, the passage I just read. And he was correct. The, the beginning of the end actually started on the day of Pentecost, and that was 2,000 years ago. But at the same time, Peter was exactly correct. He was quoting uh, Joel, and again, 
as the day of the Lord approaches, we will see again this, this, uh, this prophecy by Joel uh, come into effect. So the question is, has the age of the prophets and the apostle passed? The answer is, is no. There's much more, however, to discuss. So let's go on to point number three. When a pastor teaches on the end times and the second coming of Jesus, is he or she speaking prophetically? Now, I actually think this is the heart of the question that people ask because uh, we speak often on prophecy. You know, there's, there's, there are some churches that, that avoid prophecy uh, completely, and, and that's very unfortunate. Um, and other churches uh, speak to it very, very often, um, including myself. I like to, uh, to use it emphatically uh, because it provides a tremendous blessing. And I see again that we can look at the signs of the times and see that the Lord's return is very near. You know, the Bible is, is, is full of prophecy. Prophecy is God's domain because only God can speak to those things that are not as though they were. Those things that are not are future tense as though they were, which is past tense. Now that's actually my paraphrase of, of Paul's letter uh, to the Romans in chapter four. Some scholars took the time and have determined that more than 25%, 25% of the entire Bible is prophecy. Now the return of Jesus uh, Christ to the earth, to the Mount of Olives in the sky, in the clouds with the church and the army of heaven is, is God's redemptive plan for, for mankind. You see, Jesus is the King of King, kings and the Lord of lords, and he will return. You know, the Nicene Creed, which was the first creed of the church, as when the church got together in, in Nicaea in 325 AD, the fourth century, uh, they got together and they, they formed this Nicene Creed, a very short creed, creed that two-thirds is about Jesus. And in the Nicene Creed, it says that he, Jesus, will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. So you see, right from the very beginning, the second coming of Jesus was something that the church anticipated. It was something that the church looked forward to. And this is why it's important to teach Bible prophecy. You know, all of the prophecies that God made to Israel will come to pass, just as the prophets have said. On May 14, 1948, the nation of Israel came about uh, in a day, just exactly as Isaiah 66, 8 said. It says, who has ever heard of such thing? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is, of, is Zion in labor that she gives birth to her children. And the Old Testament uh, prophet Ezekiel who prophesied 600 years before the birth of Christ, had, had six major visions. If you read through the, uh, the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, it's an amazing book, uh, very, very much full of prophecy. In Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel says this, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in one land on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them and they will never again be two nations to be divided into two kingdoms. Uh, 
They will no longer defile themselves with their idols or vile images or with any of their offenses, for I will cleanse them. They will be my people and I will be their God. Now, has all of that prophecy been fulfilled? No, but definitely Israel is in the land. On the mountains of Israel, Israel is again in the land. And there's not two nations, there is just one nation. And, you know, just as the prophet Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. He also prophesied in that same chapter of the Lord's second coming, this time in power and in glory. He says this, he says, See, the Lord is coming with fire, and his chariots are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire, for with fire and with his sword. Here's the thing. So when your pastor, your teacher, your favorite evangelist or TV preacher speaks on Bible prophecy and reminds us that the Lord will come and that the signs of the second coming, including the establishment of the nation of Israel, are coming into focus, that prophecy, that prophecy is being taught through the gift of what we call proclamation, which is foretelling, not prediction. This is not prophecy as in prediction, meaning foretelling. So it's very important that prophecy be taught, particularly today, as we see the day of the Lord approaching. You know, there's 20 times as many references um, uh, of every Old Testament reference to Christ coming. There's Christ coming the first time. There's 20 more references to Christ's second coming. So, for example, in the Old Testament, we read that Jesus is to be born of a virgin. Well, for that one verse, there's 20 other verses that speaks of Jesus' second coming, uh, that, that he's coming when the people of Israel are, are gathered together, when there's a temple, when there's a covenant with many that is signed. Uh, it talks about the Antichrist, the signs of the sky, the plagues, and that the people refuse to repent of their immorality or their idolatry. You know, Jesus' second coming it is so important that he gave us the Lord's Supper. Now, you probably haven't thought of this when you celebrate the Lord's Supper or what's called communion or the Eucharist, depending on your tradition. But every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Apostles Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes or until he comes again. You know, the first time he came, Jesus came to, to die for our sins. But the second time he will come with his saints, the body of Christ, and he will rule with them. And that's found in a number of different scriptures, including 2 Thessalonians, as well as the, the book of Revelation. So speaking about the second coming and preaching on the signs that Jesus gave are not only appropriate, but should be part of every pastor's repertoire because every pastor is supposed to be speaking on the full counsel of God. Every pastor should be teaching about the prophecies of Daniel and Ezekiel and the book of Revelation, so that we, the church, the bride of Christ, understand and take comfort in the fact that while Jesus is coming back soon, we can encourage each other. The apostle Paul calls this event the blessed hope. Because in 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul explains to us that God has not appointed us, that is the church, the bride of Christ, to suffer wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ.
Okay, on to point number four. Four of uh, four issues regarding prophecy in this modern times. Number four, what are we to think? Let me put it this way. What are we think? We are, what are we to think every time we hear a very specific prophecy by a modern day prophet that does not come to pass? And what happens when we hear something that ends up being completely false? Well, there's definitely some that have abused the use and the purpose of prophecy today. And I want to repeat what I just said before, that the New Testament uh, gift of prophecy is more of an exhortation, uh, a correction, a teaching, an inspiration. And I said that rarely are the New Testament prophets to be, given, to be giving predictive prophecy. Modern day prophets, and I'll use that term just because I'm trying to make sure we know what we're talking about. I don't use it as a pejorative nor uh, authoritatively. Those that embrace this gift of prophecy should stick to that. They should be sticking to correction, exhortation, teaching, and inspiration rather than using prophecy as a way to predict good things to come. Now, this is not dissimilar to those that believe the gift of prophecy is best described as the gift of proclamation. The cessationists, which I mentioned before, they understand prophecy to be this idea of the proclamation of the scriptures. Uh, the Bible has much to say, much to say about prophecy, and actually much of what the Bible has to say about prophecy is negative. It's, it's, a, it's a warning. Jesus, for example, said in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You know, for me, that one verse is enough of a warning uh, for me to be very, very cautious for me ever to think that I would proclaim, thus says the Lord, or even to say that the Lord told me specifically to tell you something. You know, Jesus said that his sheep will hear his voice. But hearing the voice of the Lord in order to understand whether we are to turn to the left or to the right or to help us make a decision or to give us comfort or encouragement is completely different than the Old Testament prophets that the Lord spoke through in order to uh, tell the people of Israel something that the Lord was going to do in the future. You know, my observation regarding modern day prophets and prophecy has been both good, meaning there's been things that have been edifying and worthwhile and enriching, but my experience has also been, been bad. So bad that sometimes I, I cringe. I literally cringe when I hear it. In the Old Testament, the warnings of delivering false prophecies was dire. Typically, the warning is that God would punish them and that the people should not be afraid of them. However, in one instance in the Old Testament, it says that these prophets that speak in error and it doesn't come to pass, they should be put to death. 
Um, for example, in Jeremiah 14, 14, uh, this is what Jeremiah says. Then the Lord said, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name, lies. I have not sent them or appointed them or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false visions, divinations, idolatries, and the delusions of their own minds. You know, some of the lessons we have is by understanding what these false prophets in the Old Testament actually were saying. I went through the, the Old Testament prophets um, uh, this, this week and took a look at every time there was a mention of a false prophet. And what I found is often what they were, these false prophets were telling the people was they were giving them false hope. They were telling them not to worry that good things were about to happen, even though the enemies were surrounding them. Now, don't worry because they would be delivered. Uh, Jeremiah 23, for example, uh, says this. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. Now, this is contrasted to the true prophets of God and actually do what they prophesied. They typically prophesied calamity. Uh, they were warning the, the people. They were warning the people to turn from their idols, to turn back to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to clean up their act because otherwise God would cause issues. God would discipline them. You know, and I understand no one enjoys getting bad news. And the thing was is that in the, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament, when there was bad news that the prophets were saying, these false prophets jumped on it and were delivering good news, false hope. They were actually giving the people what they wanted to hear. Back in the 6th and the 5th century BC, the prophets Jeremiah and Ezekiel told the kings and the people of Judah that the king of Babylon was coming, just as the king of Assyria had come and taken the people of Israel and scattered them um, because of their rebellion. Uh, the king of Babylon was coming. And, and this is exactly what had happened, I said before, with Assyria. The Assyrians came and conquered the people of Israel and they resettled all of the people of Israel, the 10 tribes, because of their idol worship and because of the rebellion against God. Uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But neither the kings nor the people enjoyed the prophecies of, e of Ezekiel. Um, and they turned to prophets who gave them positive messages instead, these false uh, messages of hope. Uh, these prophets who said there would be times of prosperity and freedom from their enemies. However, their prophecies, these false prophecies, were, were false. The, Babel, the Babylon king Nebuchadnezzar II conquered Jerusalem in 597 BC, just as Ezekiel had said and Jeremiah had said. The siege is described in 2 Kings chapter 24 in the Old Testament. The deportation by Nebuchadnezzar included Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this was the start of the great Jewish exile called the great diaspora. You know, it's been my observation that too many of today's self-appointed uh, prophets have also been giving us lots of 
wonderful prophecies, wonderful prophecies for the people, particularly here in the United States. We've had many well-known preachers and teachers, and I'm not going to name them by name, but you know many of them, that put on this hat of the prophet, and they predicted, for example, that hurricanes would not come near, uh, that presidential elections would be won by candidates that were popular and favored by Christians and evangelicals. And even recently that COVID-19 would be blown away by the breath of God. And so many of these predictions from these so-called prophets were false. Even more disheartening, there's been prophecies on the return of Jesus. Uh, and specific dates that were given when Jesus would return, and that's been going on for hundreds of years. Uh, obviously, these prophets were ignoring the Bible's admonition that no one knows the day or the hour. Now, for the rest of us, uh, God only not, hold, not only holds these false prophets accountable, but we also, we also are held accountable. We need to be circumspect. We need to be well grounded in the scriptures. We need to be like the Bereans of Macedonia who received the true word of God with all eagerness and examined the scriptures to see if their teacher, who was the Apostle Paul, uh, what he said was actually true. Now, finally, and I'll wrap up with this, there's a special consideration I want to talk about when we talk about false prophets because there is coming at the very end of time, one that is called the false prophet. In the book of Revelation, there's an important mention of an individual, again, that is called the false prophet. It is the false prophet who actually has the ability uh, to, to do signs and wonders. We often hear of the Antichrist, who's called the beast, but in the book of Revelation, there's another beast that's mentioned, and this beast is actually the, the, um, the false prophet. Uh, we're introduced to him in chapter 16 of the book of Revelation, but in chapter 19, we see his ultimate fate. And I thought I'd read that to you just because it's interesting. Uh, chapter 19 says, And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him, that's Jesus, who sat on the horse and against his army. Then that beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two, that's the beast and the false prophet, were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. You know, notice how it mentions these two, the Antichrist and the false prophet. Now, the Antichrist is the political leader. He's the king, the ultimate king that gathers the nations uh, to fight against the Lord, <laughs> of all things. Uh, but it's the, it's the false prophet who's the religious leader, who leads the ultimate false religion. He's the one that deceives those that dwell upon the earth to worship the image of the beast and to receive his mark, also called the, the mark of the beast. Now, as I mentioned, we actually see this individual, this false prophet in Revelation 13, uh, along with events that occur about halfway through, about 42 months, into the seven years of what we know as the tribulation. So we will look at the false prophet again in one of our teachings, but, but for now, please understand that the false prophet is not present today. 
Uh, there's, there's no prophecies going on by a false prophet, the false prophet. This false prophet won't be present until about midway through the tribulation, uh, probably a good three and a half, four years from now. So here's my final comments on this topic, this idea of modern-day prophets, prophets and do they speak for God. Here's my final word. Be careful not to despise prophecy, and that's biblical. You may want to give it a quick amen, but not necessarily go and sell your house or move your savings from corporate stock to gold, as, as some people have. However, the Bible has much to say about the end times. And often as a reminder, a, a sermon, a teaching about the end times or what the Bible actually says about the soon coming king is very beneficial to your spiritual walk and to my spiritual walk. Remember, the Apostle Paul calls the coming of the Lord as our blessed hope. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord, for this teaching today. We thank you. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.